Just a heads up, everyone. Though we look at things through an optimistic lens on this show, some of the topics may be triggering and some of the language may be adult. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I'm Jenna Edwards, and I've overcome some pretty serious adversity in my life. And I just recently realized it was all because of this mindset I call aggressive optimism. I knew I wasn't the only one living with this way of thinking, and as I always say, there's a million ways to do anything. So I wanted to do this podcast so I could have conversations with others and learn how they overcome adversity and achieve their big goals and dreams and create the life they want to live. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Edwards, and I have to be honest with you guys, today's topic is sort of triggering for me. As someone who struggled her entire life with her weight, when today's guest was suggested to me by a great friend, I got sort of prickly, (laughs) but I love this friend, and so I forced myself to relax, and I reached out to our guest today, and then I got to watch his TED video, his TED Talk. And you guys are so excited. Uh, so without further ado, I'm not even going to give all the credentials because all the credentials will come into our conversation. Just know this guy knows what the freak he's talking about. But I really want to start talking. So we're going to talk about laughter and weight loss with Jeremy Rochford. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm glad I could make this as awkward of a process as possible. I, I was really, I'm not even kidding. I was like, oh God, we re- okay. I mean, as somebody who's doing a podcast, of course, we're going to talk about the topics that, you know, everybody's dealing with and weight loss happens to be at the top of the list. But I was like, oh dude, Lauren, like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to do this show. And then I watched your TED talk seriously. And I was like, dude, this guy talks about laughter as a form of weight loss. Yes, yes, please come on our show and talk talk to us all about it because you lost 200 pounds. I did, and I've kept it off for 15 years as well. That's insane. Okay, so let's just get to it. I'm going to shut up now because one of the things you say in your TED Talk is that science has literally proven that you can laugh your pants off. It's, It's true, and the thing is, I believe, even just beyond weight loss, just about every bad decision we make is a result of us acting towards the stress in our life. So my thought process was, well, if we can remove the stress from our lives and we we remove the need to overreact. And my entire life I had growing up, you know, I went on my first diet when I was five. So yeah, I mean, they pulled my mother out of intensive care when I was born to feed me. So like literally I've, I've been all about that food my entire life. And so as most overweight people do, I used humor as a way to deflect for a majority of my life. Like I'm the fat kid, but if I can make fun of myself, I'll control the narrative because the unfortunate truth about bullies quite often is that quite often they're not wrong. They're just telling us things that we don't want to hear at a time where we're not ready to address it. And so for me in my life, I was overweight. I was a tub of lard, everything they said, (laughs) but I wasn't ready to deal with it on their terms. I want to deal with it on my terms, but there was a time where, I mean, there's a few other backstories to this, but, but to this concept, I, I joined a gym uh, to, to try to lose weight. And a very long story short, 
my man boobs popped out because <laughs> I was quite girthy and I had this sleeveless t-shirt. And then, well, the problem is, is like, and I'm sure if you've ever struggled with trying to get in shape, like you don't realize how out of shape you are until something else determines how hard you have to work. <laughs> and so like I was on this treadmill and I just, I put on, I'm like, all right, we're going to do it. And like, I literally was just trying not to die. Mm. And I didn't realize that there's a lot of shucking and jiving going on. And in the course of just trying not to die, my man boobs popped out. And which is part of your TED speech. And it's, it's really, you paint the picture so embarrassingly well. Like I related so much because when you are overweight, right, that's just your reality. And so for you to be brave enough to share that story, I think it's just, it's life-changing for a lot of people. Well, and thank you. And that's honestly the, the core of a lot of the things I do when it comes time to, to work with people and, and help them on their own journey. I need people to know that if I'm going to ask you to do something, that you know it comes from a place of experience that I can say, hey, this might be awkward now, but I know because I had to deal with it when my man boobs popped out or when I got caught stealing baseball cards to, to eat little Debbie's like I I understand the awkwardness and I'm, I'm never going to ask you to do something that I have not done myself and so I want to share my story so people can understand that they have an ally in this journey there are very few people who actually understand the process and have kept it off and I'm one of those people yeah. and I, want, I want everyone to know that if you truly want to lose weight it absolutely is possible but quite often a lot of us have gotten bad advice but the whole point of all this is to say that so when my man boobs popped out, it was this incredible, like, it was just All of this to say when my man boobs popped out. Well, the thing is, like, it was just raining man. Like, I can't, I can't emphasize enough. Like, these were, like, C or D cups. Like, I was stacked for a 16-year-old. Like, it was legit. But the point is, is that, <laughs> no, it's funny because I'll have these conversations with, with some of my lady clients, and they're like, I don't like to sweat. You don't understand the under boob sweat. And I'm like, oh, honey. <laughs> You're like, no, no, I get it. And there's yeah. no sports bra to hold it in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least you guys have sports bras. Like, there's no bro. Like, there's no, like, that didn't, like, that Kramer invention from Seinfeld was not a thing back. Like, I don't even know. If, like, they, in today's society, they, the bro might exist because Amazon literally has everything. But That's true. in true. my day, there was no bras for dudes. And the point of this is that as I was sitting there and everyone was looking me, looking at me, it was just this, this realization of, I've been made fun of my entire life for making bad decisions. And now you guys are still going to make fun of me for making a good decision. Mm. And it was one of those, and forgive the, the <laughs> forgive the inference of this, but the F that, like it was no, like I've been made fun of my entire life for making bad decisions. I will not be made fun of for making a good decision. And so I decided to make a joke of the situation, not because I wanted to run from it, but because I took in everything and I said, no, I'm going to control this. And, hum and, and, and humor makes me smile. And this Aww. moment's about me. And when nice. I about it, well, thank you. And so when I made a joke about it, this, this switch went on of, holy crap, if I can control this situation, probably one of my top three most embarrassing situations in my life, then what else could I control? Because quite often in weight loss, we, we paint ourselves, unfortunately, as a victim. Like, I can't do this, I can't do that. And if we mm. would just flip that and say, well, I can't do this, but I can do this. And if we focus on what we can do, holy crap, so much is possible. 
but so much of us is just we we find ourselves when we're looking to lose weight like people give us plans and very few times do people sit down and say well what do you like and what don't you like and what's oh my god jeremy you just pushed the button of aggressive optimism like i'm always saying there's a million ways to do everything you have to figure out the way to work that works for you which is really difficult when you're dealing with uh certain experts who only have one like to do process yeah and and so in in my own world i've i call this the snowflake principle right so what do we know about snowflakes under 31 degrees I'm I'm waiting for you to answer me. Oh, okay. Uh, I was hoping you guessed. <laughs> um, that they're all uniquely individual. Right. They're practically amazing, and they're all unique, and they're different. And they need hugged, and they're awesome. But like, what do we know about snowflakes at 33 degrees? They're all kind of melted together, aren't they? Every single one meets the exact same fate. Like they ugly cry themselves to death. <laughs> and so when we take this mentality for weight loss, we have to acknowledge that if you're looking to lose weight science will hold you accountable to certain things. You must not act in the way that you acted to gain weight. So for a season of your life, if you're eating a ridiculous crap ton of fast food and that caused you to gain weight, guess what? That's not going to help you lose weight. So mm. stop that. But, but if you have to eat out, there's a way to do it. And so with the snowflake principle, we say there's certain things that you have to do. You have to eat in a way that will encourage weight loss. You have to move in a way that will encourage weight loss. And you have to have a mentality that will keep you from self-sabotaging. You have to do that. Mm. However, how you do that is up to you. If you hate running, I'm not going to make you run. You may oh love to gosh. swing dance. Like ska might be your thing. Like it's gone, but to you, like we're Warped Tour 2005. It's still happening. So <laughs> if you love to swing dance, dude, swing dance every night of the week because that's going to get your heart rate up that's going to get you active and that's going to get you doing something if mm. you love working on the farm if you love gardening like far too often again we look at what we can't do i can't go to the gym well that's fine don't go to the gym do you like yoga do yoga do you do you have 25 dollars and go to walmart they've got resistance bands the whole point of this principle is saying let's not focus on what you can't do let's focus on what you can do and in doing so we'll actually make this process enjoyable and so with the man boob Wait, pop- did you just say weight loss can be enjoyable? It, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. <laughs> because I feel like, especially nowadays with all of the how-to experts in the world, like for me anyway, it's been this maddening hamster wheel of, oh my God, well, maybe I need to try that. Oh, I need to try that. Oh, it's just, it's so overwhelming. That I love the idea of like going at it with how can I make this process fun? Yeah. And and so, so context, right? Yes. I don't want to throw shade. This is not Jeremy throwing shade. This is Jeremy telling every single person who has tried more than one weight loss program, why it's not their fault that they failed. So how many weight loss experts do you know have actually lost weight themselves? Hmm. That's a really good point. I mean, Richard Simmons is literally the only one I can think of. <laughs> it, I didn't expect that answer, but who also has fun while losing weight? Uh, Richard Simmons. Yeah, I've never seen that dude not smile while exercising. It's true. So, so inadvertently, you proved my point before, before you got there. <laughs> so thank you for that. Yay! So, but the point of all this really is to, to bring forth the realization and even just look at your own life. You know, 
you've probably followed the advice of people who look the way you want or have some type of physical esteem or relational aspiration that you have that you wish you had. And so the challenge with that is quite often people who give advice, they've never lost weight themselves. Mm. So they don't understand that there are, to me, three very distinct processes that that have to be addressed in the weight loss journey. And actually with your background, this might resonate because it's very similar to the hero's journey. So with the reality that every person looking to lose weight has an internal philosophical and an external conflict, the external conflict is nutrition and exercise. And that's where most weight loss experts live. Mm -hmm. But because they've never lost weight, they don't understand the internal conflict. They don't understand the philosophical conflict. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. And so what they'll do is if there's an internal conflict, case in point, making exercise fun, like there will be people who will die on the banner of CrossFit. Like you, the CrossFit's the only way to lose weight as if like 10 years ago when it wasn't a thing, people weren't losing weight, but because that's all they know, they're going to drive it home. And so we so have tons of middle-aged people blowing out Achilles for no reason because this weight loss expert, air quotation, has never experienced the real pain of looking in the mirror and absolutely hating the way you feel, absolutely feeling like a failure. And then philosophically actually feeling like maybe I don't deserve this. Maybe this is a punishment for something. Maybe I'm just not meant to be happy, which then opens up so many other self-defeating aspects. And so if you've ever struggled with weight loss, I genuinely believe it's because you've been given a third of the piece. You've probably, no one's probably ever asked you, how did you start gaining weight? What about like what moment in your development as a person made food or made exercise something wrong? I mean, cause mm. quite often people will look at exercise as if it's a punishment because in sixth grade they were late to gym class and they had to run laps. And so from that moment on, every time they had to exercise, it was punishment. And they went back to that time where they were late and they got made fun of because it was awkward. And so now for the rest of their life, exercise is punishment. Or growing wow, up, interesting. If, yeah. Or growing up, if maybe you were in a a household that was, was like, you're going to sit here and you're going to eat your broccoli, and if you don't eat broccoli, then those starving kids in Africa will petition for you not to get that cookie. Oh my gosh, totally. Right, and <laughs> and so all of a sudden we've now bastardized the very thing that our body was designed to eat. So now all of a sudden vegetables have become the enemy. That's so interesting. There's literally a picture of me at like maybe three years old with a corn of cob, like a corn on the cob in my mouth and me just having my arms crossed all stubbornly like I'm not chewing this. (laughs) for, for, For my wife, it was rice. Her parents made her eat rice to the point where like we'll go to hibachi and like it just it's a trigger. She's like... I hate this. I hate this. I hate this so much. Like she loves, she loves catching shrimp in her mouth, but man, that rice comes out and it is just dark. But the the whole point of this is is to to genuinely say that for anyone who's been on this, this yo-yo of a, of a journey for weight loss, I've got to give you grace because I'm very much willing to bet that you've been given incomplete advice that you may have gotten advice on this is how you should eat and this is how you should exercise. But the internal struggles and the philosophical struggles that you have to address even before diet and exercise makes sense are I've never seen anyone truly explore them in a gym scenario. And yeah, it's true. Well, and because of that now, like look at your own life, like how many times have you felt like a failure with your weight loss initiatives? Pretty much daily. So 
you've literally like I hope you understand like you've been given a third of the advice now you live on the left coast right mm-hmm. let's say you're trying to drive to New York let's say you, have you been to New York yes have you been my husband and I just got back from a year-long cross-country road trip so we've been oh. everywhere bad example have you ever <laughs> been to Saskatchewan no perfect so let's say you're trying to get to Saskatchewan and your map ran out in Montana Hmm. Would you feel like you were the stupid failure who couldn't get to Saskatchewan? Probably. <laughs> but it would, I would also realize how illogical it would be, right? I would beat myself up for like 30 seconds and then be like, you're being silly. This is well, not your fault. And I'm not going to tell you how to feel, but probably somewhere in your process, you'd go, again, like, yeah. Well, that, you, you'd probably say this scenario is stupid or I could have planned better. Right. But would you feel like a total failure if you expect, but here's the thing, like in that scenario, you expected to have all the directions. Right. Exactly. And you didn't. Well, that yes. falls on the person who gave you the guidance. And mm. so when you understand that, I believe it gives you the mental freedom to go, oh crap. Well, there can be a different way. Like what would it, again, coming back to what's possible, what would it look like if I actually started asking the questions, why am I overweight to begin with? why do certain things matter and why do certain things not matter? Like what, and, and it goes again to the philosophical standpoint of, you know, quite often when people are looking to lose weight, they get this very tense, I've got to neglect myself of something I like mentality. And that is a way to look at it. But how, how long have you struggled with weight? Me? Yeah. Um, uh, probably like 30 some years. Um, quick, just quick question. When yeah. you are looking to lose weight, do you feel like you're neglecting yourself of certain foods? Yes. Often. In, in the past 33 years, don't you also feel like you deserve to be happy? Yes. <laughs> well, but think about this, right? No, it's so true. The, ch- the challenge with being an adult is there's no longer good versus bad decisions. They're mm. good versus good decisions. And so in this scenario, part of you says, I deserve to eat this food. Mm. But then there's also a part of you who deserves to be happy too. Right. And it's simply as an adult saying, well, which happy do I want to choose? And Mm. quite often that food isn't really making you happy. It's a medication of some sort because you've not been able to get to the fitness goal you want, which is actually the happiness you want. And truthfully, fitness is just a conduit. Like I've never seen anyone want to lose weight just for the sake of losing weight. They want to lose weight for the freedoms it affords. Which, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was like, which, which you too deserve. Like you deserve to walk into a store and, and not have to worry if something's going to fit. Like you totally deserve that. But if you keep living in a way that causes you to be overweight, you're also neglecting yourself for that thing you deserve too. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's uh, so, uh, if you don't mind sharing, do you remember yeah. when you had that realization of your, on your own weight loss journey? That it was more mental than physical? Oh, very much so. Um, there were two very specific times that, that this became very apparent to me. The, the first time, and I'll do my best to make it a short story, but I, I was kicked <laughs> out of an amusement park. I was kicked out of a go-kart ride for being too fat. And so this was very frustrating to me. So I, going into senior year of high school, it was kind <sighs> of the last family vacation where my sister was already in college. My parents knew like this was the last hurrah. I had yet to get my driver's license. And, and for some reason, and I still don't know how this happened, so please don't judge me, but <laughs> I'm a huge NASCAR fan. And I 
don't know how I can't, I can't quit it. I can't quit you. I can't stop. Like I just can't. And so because of this, the fact that this was a NASCAR themed go-kart track was so oh. for everyone. So my parents were excited because they did the recon to get us there. And I was excited because dude, NASCAR. And at the time <laughs> I was a huge fan of Daryl Waltrip who drove the 17 car and Ward Burton who drove the 22 car. Fun fact, if you ever want to laugh, just go to YouTube and look up Ward Burton and listen to some of his interviews. And my gosh, every Southern stereotype about NASCAR is for fun. It's, <laughs> it's such good. Like, it, like literally, it's, it's the best. If, like, if you're going to waste your time, don't do it with cat videos. Do it with Ward Burton videos. You'll just sit there and be like, this dude makes more than I'll ever make. Like, life's unfair. But it's unfair to everyone, so it's kind of fair. Point yeah. being, huge fan of the 22 car and Ward Burton. So when we get to the front of the line, I'm hecka excited that the 22 is available. So I kind of get into the car and I T-Rex it in that I fit, but my arms, like, that's it. Like, there's just no, like, I'm just, that, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm not moving. And so because of that, I can't buckle the seatbelt. And at this point, this gets the attention of the ride attendant and little teenager. And she comes over and she's like, hey, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I just can't get this to buckle. And she's like, okay. And she's like, look, like she can't find it. Like neither of us can find it. Like I should have, I should have been smarter and like thought, well, let's open it up so I can sit in. But no, it, it's, it's not being able to be seen. But You were too excited. It's okay. It's the 22 car, man. You understand? <laughs> so I do my best to at least get part of the seatbelt out and wiggle the other part out. And at least we can see him at this point. And, and this is where the girl I don't know if you've ever overpacked for a vacation, maybe mm. on a cross-country trip. Yes. You may have done this thing where you put your foot on a suitcase and you push it down to zipper it. Oh, yes. Well, this was the mentality that she used on me. So she has one foot on the ground, one no. foot on me. I swear. No. I'm, oh, God. For yeah, absolutely real. And she's trying to push. Well, she's just trying to use leverage. She's a kid. But she's trying to use leverage on my stomach to push it down to pull the belt over. Oh good, oh good point, God! It's the manager. I'm sorry. I said, "Oh good God!" Yeah, oh. I'm just visualizing this in like in horror. <laughs> oh, and the thing is, like, this was before social media. Like, if if the, the here's God. Like, well, yeah, well, yeah, but we say that. But if this happened today, I'd be a celebrity. So maybe not. Thank God. <laughs> um, like I'd be on Ellen, and they'd be like, "You're so brave." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I really love hoagies too." So I'm not that much of a hero. And so, point being. <laughs> is that she's got her foot on me and she's trying to get this to secure. And this gets the, the manager's attention because he's like, what the, no. So he, he does the manager thing. He's like, hey, guys, how oh can God. I help? And she's like, I don't know, man. I'm like this dude, can you sweat less? I think if you sweat less, I wouldn't have to do this. And I'm like, I don't think <laughs> And, and the manager's like, no, 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 this, this, it'll be totally fine. And the girl's like, yeah, but it's not fine. Like, do we have an extender? Is there something we can do? And the manager's like, no, no, like we, let's just put in the 22 car. The 22 car is designed for our bigger desk. Like we don't have to embarrass the kid. Like let's just find whoever has a 22 car. We'll swap them out and it shouldn't be that big of an issue. And, and, and already being an, an Irish descendant, I was pale to begin with. Oh God. But when the realization that we were already in the 22 car came over all of us, it, it was like, like Elmer's pale. And the guy's like, huh? Cause he's confused because he's like, this is this, this was the solution. And now this isn't, I don't know what to do. And so he starts trying to finagle the belt 
he has her holding one end and again same move that she does like she's got one foot on me but now he has reinforcements so we're closer than we've ever been but it's still it, it still doesn't latch and so he, he just kind of drops it and loses it. he's like I don't want to be a jerk dude but you're the fattest kid I've ever seen like I, I'm Oh my God. Like, we've been here for like 30 minutes and look like, you, like there's a crowd like you can see, like we've been shut down for 30 minutes. Like, not, like and it just starts rambling. And, and then he just finally finishes by saying, you know, I need you to leave. I think you can't do this anymore. Like clearly you're not going to fit. There's no way it's going to work. It's just better for all of us if you go. And the fun part of it was that the exit was right next to the entrance. So no. it wasn't like I could just skate out of the back and pretend this didn't happen. So I got to do this walk of shame through this crowd of middle school Jersey Shore people who did a really great job of letting me know in not so kind terms that I was kind of the worst thing in the world. Oh, man. And so how did that um, move you towards your weight loss journey? Did it, well, first of all, move you towards your weight loss journey? Well, very much so, because what, what made this even worse was that my parents had to watch this whole thing kind of crumble in front of them. Aww. And it's one of those rare moments where it's, it's either like you just you can't fail any harder if you tried. It's like if you're driving down the street and you spit out the window and it comes right back in on your face. <laughs> and, and for me, it, it was just kind of like life change or suicide because that mm. the current life couldn't continue. And being from Pittsburgh at the time, from Jersey to Pittsburgh, it was a uh, six-hour drive. And I'll never forget my father as we were driving home and we kind of had that come to Jesus moment. He was very strong. Like we, were, we were going through the options, like a March Madness bracket of what could we do. And he was just like, look, it's not a lack of surgery in your life that's keeping you overweight. Like even if you get the surgery and you never figure out why you keep behaving in this manner, it's just a matter of time before you push out the 15% of your stomach that's left. So like, let's not do that. And, and so what we ended up doing was we went to a nutritionist and joined the gym, which is where the man boob story comes in. Yes. Um, but the thing about the nutritionist was that high school, cause I'm old high school in 1998 and 1999 didn't operate, operate in the way high school operates now. Mm -hmm. And so you know, they gave me this meal plan and it was awesome. And I lost 30 pounds in two months. And then I got to high school for my senior year. And you're like, oh, man, baked chicken and quinoa is not on the menu. Yeah. Maybe I'll ask. And they're like, oh, sloppy Joe, sloppy. And I'm like, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> Thanks for the inappropriate. I understand the reference, lunch lady. It is your land, so it makes sense. Um, oh, sandwich. But the point is, is that like you just, I couldn't follow this this protocol but mm -hmm. what it 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 also offered the most success that i'd ever had because losing 30 pounds in two months when you've been on a diet since you were five right huge pretty good traction right yes. so i look at this and i start to analyze it i'm like okay what are they trying to accomplish here because a part of my backstory is <clears throat> i had been a very clever kid and, I, and I, I will always say this to people who are struggling with with obesity when they're parents and they have children like the problem with smart parents is that they raise smart kids and so i was a very smart kid but mm -hmm. i used it for all the wrong reasons and so every time they would try to give me a weight loss initiative i would always find a way to circumvent it like right like so they were they were they were trying to be so clever they were like 
hey, Jeremy, and I was in second grade at this point, and they were like, hey, we see a lot of kids in the neighborhood riding a bike, and that seemed like a very fun, fun thing to do. Do you think you'd like a bike? And I'm like, yeah, I would love a bike. And the reason I would love a bike is because that year they did this No Child Goes Hungry program over the mm-hmm. summer in which every school in the district offered free lunch. And so that got oh, gosh. Like, all right, it's from 10 to 12. <laughs> I can't get to all four schools in it if I walk, but if I have a bike, I can hit every single school and get four meat. Like, that's boss. Like, yeah, <laughs> I would love a bike. And like, that's how I thought for most of my journey. And, and, but by this time, I was so fed up, ironic phrasing, but so fed up with being overweight that I was like, okay, like, let's use this same cleverness that I used to destroy myself for a better part of a decade plus, like what if we use that same cleverness to figure this out? And so That's amazing. The, well, thank you. And so I looked at the core of the program and it was basically about non-refined foods, right? Mm-hmm. But the challenges is about 70% of the menu couldn't be attained in a high school environment. But right. again, looking at what's possible, because this all happened post-gym, it was, well, what can start out cold and lukewarm and not suck? Well, grapes, those are good, room temperature and cold. Carrots, apples, grilled chicken, okay. And I just started making this list of not what I couldn't eat from that list, but what, what could I eat? And then I, my goal was just to get down to 2,000 calories and, and just being aware. And then once I got down to 2,000 calories, it was, okay, now that I'm down to 2,000 calories, how do we maximize these 2,000 calories? Because 300 calories of Mountain Dew, way different than 300 calories of apple or vegetable. Right. That's, that's it, so smart. <laughs> and, and then it just became a thought process of, well, there's a lot of food I can't have, but all that food literally led to the worst day of my life. So mm. am I really neglecting myself that? Because I embellished myself in that and I almost got killed by myself because of the hate. So I don't want to end up there again. So let's, let's try this process. And that was the first time I really realized like there was a whole emotional component of, well, why was I eating? And, and for me, it kind of traced back to sixth grade, like that, that first middle school dance that you have that no one wants to dance with you because you're the fat kid. Um, but that was only two thirds of the equation because I ended up losing 120 pounds in nine months. And it was awesome. And then in four years, I gained it all back. Uh, so and that sucked. That definitely sucks. And I think that that's a lot of people's story, right? Like I've lost a ton of weight and gained a ton of weight and, you know, it's that whole yo-yo thing. And um, which also, which brings me to the thing, the next thing I want to ask you about, because if you can believe it, we're almost out of time. I'm sorry. Um, no. This I is didn't even fascinating. Think, I, I've got two stories I've still yet to finish because oh, I have two open story loops, but keep going. Oh, you could close them up if you want to. Well, but you've got another question. I want well, I just want talking. you to talk about your mentorship program because I feel like um, that's such a great way for people to kind of close this yo-yo cycle. Is, is that why you started it? Like what, tell me more about the mentorship program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how much more time do I have? Just because I want to be respectful of that. Oh, it's cool. Um, I mean, we can get going, but maybe like 10 minutes. Okay, super cool. I'll do my best and I will always leave this open that 
any questions that don't make sense because I'm rushing through, you, you know I love to talk. So just get in touch and we'll, we'll answer those questions. But so after I, after I gained all the weight back, uh, I had – so when I, when I lost the weight the first time and I started questioning what's possible, it made me question everything. And I had a very religious upbringing. And I started questioning that too. And that led me to a sort of spiritual journey as well in which some things started making sense when I started asking questions. So when I got into college, uh, my faith started to matter to me to the point where I was helping out with a couple campus ministries leading worship because once I lost the weight, I got the confidence to actually play guitar on stage, not just in my basement. Nice. So our, uh, our, our campus ministry house was right next to this hybrid of a lacrosse rugby house, but they would always invite me over to their parties because I could play John Mayer or Sublime or Dave <laughs> Matthews. And I me, love it. <laughs> for me, I didn't want any drunk people fall in the fire. So it was like a win-win. Like, awesome. It's nice to be needed and you're not going to die. So yeah, right. Heaven comes to earth. And so in doing this, we kind of built up relationships, but I also at this point had gained all the way back plus more. And, and there's something about going into senior years. So going into senior year of, of, of college, uh, I'm at the, the cafeteria and one of the captains from the team comes over and he's just point blank, like, look, dude, I don't want to start any crap, but this is your third trip to the buffet. And if your God wow. can't save you from that, then maybe you shouldn't talk to my guys about their alcohol abuse. Right? <laughs> like, what do you do with that? So, yeah, that's that hits you in the gut. Yeah, well, but that was the first time where I was like, huh, people are paying attention. And this might not be the best example of what I claim to believe for eternity. And, and it really was one of those first times where you're like, okay, so people do take what I say seriously and they're seeing that my words and my deeds don't agree. And so wow. I had to, another pivotal moment. Like, I, I could either at that point denounce my faith or I could go, well, what would it look like if I actually took what I claimed to believe for eternity and applied it here on earth? And so rather than making my weight loss an act of vanity and revenge, which worked for a couple months, I made it an act of love and mm. a response to the love that had been given for me through certain sacrifices. And so that's where I started to understand that there's a philosophical aspect to weight loss. And, and for me, it was, well, what does jesus mean to me in my life but for other people it's are you ever worthy to be truly happy mm. or do i even deserve the success that would come from weight loss because there is a huge disconnect for a lot of people between the conscious and the subconscious and far too often people end up sabotaging even their best and or their best attempts mm. and they do so in a way that they paint themselves as the victim but they do it nobly. Like there's, there's one of my clients who, you know, growing up, um, she would always watch soap operas with her, her father and one of the most attractive soap opera people, he would always come in and be like, huh, well, she keeps getting fatter. And <laughs> all she took from that was here is this gorgeous woman, gorgeous woman on TV and she's not good enough. Yeah. So, I'm never going to be good enough. And she took that whole mentality and has carried it through up into her forties up until about six months ago when we started working together. And she made herself so busy that she never had to accept that she doesn't know if she feels like she actually deserves to lose weight because if she tried and actually tried 
and she got there, would she still be just as unattractive thin as this soap opera star? <laughs> and this is where I always say, like, there's some things that we struggle with. You mean anyone else who, who has this as an affliction? Like, there are some things that no amount of kale or cardio will fix. And mm. those are the two moments when I realized that this is more than just macros. Like, this is more than just diet and exercise. There's, there's deep internal reasons of why we're keeping ourselves overweight. But there's also philosophical beliefs that we, we doubt either that we're capable or that we're worthy or that it'll actually happen. And you have to start by addressing the philosophical aspect, whatever that is in your life. And is that what the mentorship program is That about? is 100% them. So, so what That's the mentorship cool. is, is I offer custom weight loss programs where we design it based on what you like and what you don't like, much like the snowflake principle, right? Mm -hmm. There are certain things you have to do. Like you may have to eat a salad rather than a deep dish pizza. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we also acknowledge that that's only first season of life. The, the way you eat for weight maintenance is way different than the way you eat for weight loss. But the problem is, is we keep trying to make weight loss, like we keep trying to fit the weight maintenance into the weight loss category and mm. it just doesn't work. Sorry, science. But <laughs> we also then walk through, well, why is that important? What is it about pizza? Well, it's delicious. Well, yeah, it's delicious, but it's also giving you type two diabetes. Like, do you like the concept of not losing your legs? Yeah. Well, what's more important to you now? And again, you're not giving up pizza forever. You're just not having a full pizza within 48 hours. We're just pausing on certain things so you can have other things that you've claimed you want to have. So the weight loss mentorship is really all about saying like, where are we at now? What are the struggles on the external side of things? So we, we tie up the, the ends of the nutrition and the physical fitness aspect, but then we also dig into the internal patterns. Like what, what do we keep perpetually coming back to? What do we keep doing? What are the things that make us unwell? But then we take it one step further and we say, well, well what do we believe that makes that normal seem normal? And then once we can address the philosophical aspect and, and have people understand that their identity is not in their struggles and that quite often there's some inciting incident in their past that has put them down this path that once we're able to address that, we can then deal with the internal struggles that keep us in these patterns of weight gain. And then once we've addressed that, then we can go ahead and talk about the nutrition and the fitness aspect. And so we, we walk through this and Love it. every single day we're talking, whether it's through text, we have phone calls twice a week, and it's all about setting up a program that works based on the things that you like and then letting you know that you're not alone in this journey. And, and more importantly, you're not alone in that you've got someone who not only has, and, and just forgive me, but a crap ton of certifications, but also the experience of, well, I've done a great job gaining the weight, but I've also done a great job losing and keeping it off. And <laughs> Amazing. Between me and my clients, there's literally not a story that I haven't seen, whether someone was abused as a kid and they had to use weight to stop the abuse to mm -hmm. miscarriages to like it. People think that their laundry is so dirty that if they open it up, that someone's going to judge them. But when you are a 16 year old with your man boobs out trying to just not die on a treadmill, I don't think I can come at this judging anyone. And so <laughs> that's why I have no problem sharing my story because I want people to find the humor in the process and to give themselves the grace to, to try again, but not just try again, but try in a way that they've never tried before. 
because weight loss is possible for everyone. I feel like most people who have tried have been given incomplete advice and it takes someone who's gone through it to really understand what your struggle is so that I can lovingly say, this is what you need to do, but also I don't feel sorry for you because I don't feel sorry for myself. And we have to get over a few things that might be hard, but once we do, oh crap, what are the possibilities? So let's lose the weight as safely and quickly as possible so you can just get on with your life and live the life you were meant to. And that's, that's what the mentorships are about. That's amazing. Um, so we are definitely out of time, which is fine because it's been incredibly beneficial and interesting and wonderful. So don't even worry one bit. But um, I am going to ask you if you have a resource that has helped you with all the things that you do in the world. Absolutely. There was a book that it, it really changed a lot of my perspective on a lot of things. And it may not even be in print anymore, but it's a book called Flashbang, and it's by an author called Mark Steele. Okay. And do you know what a flashbang is? No. So what, what a flashbang is ultimately is it is a – it's designed to break up riots. You throw it oh, into a crowd, yeah, yeah. Okay. and it has all of the aesthetics and effects of a grenade, but whenever it's done – like it, that's it. Like there's no impact. There's no like shrapnel. It's just, it is what it is. And the whole book is about, are you living your life like a flashbang? Do you show up and you put on a show, but at the end of the day, there's no impact. It's like, you never were. Wow. That got me thinking about so many things about, you know, why am I losing weight? Like, am I losing weight so I can be sexy or am I losing weight because I feel like I've got goals and a destiny I want to achieve. And you know, I think we have some, I don't want to say we have some very vanitative reasons to lose weight, but I think at the end of the day, there are way greater reasons that we would all like to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And so flashbang put me in this mentality of saying, well, I can lose weight to get sexy and that's cool. Or I can lose weight to have genuine conversations with people or to do other things that I feel I was put on this earth to do. And just that whole book changed my perspective on a lot of things and maybe made me question my motives a lot of times, uh -huh. gave me the ability to kind of keep myself in check. Well, so I, I am definitely going to check and see if it's on Amazon and I'll post it um, in the resources section on your show page for sure. That sounds awesome. fascinating. And do you have a quote you can leave our audience with? I have a whole movie. I love <laughs> the movie Miracle. I'm a huge Herb Brooks fan. I'm uh -huh. familiar with hockey, but he was the coach of the 1980 USA Olympic hockey team. Yes, I know and that movie very well. I was actually at a pre-screening of it in Los Angeles when it first came out. It's such an amazing movie, love it. it. It is, so if you're looking for a crap ton of motivational quotes, check that out. One that my wife gave me for Christmas was one that says, risk something or forever sit with your dreams. Oh, I love that. And risk something or forever sit with your dreams. What a great way to wrap up what you've been talking about. This has been incredibly insightful. I really, really appreciate you sharing all of your stories and your process. And it's, it's a really, it's such a new approach, right? I love it. So you guys, everybody that's listening, I'm going to post all of Jeremy's resources on his show page at aggressiveoptimism.com. Definitely go check that out. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really, really appreciate it. 
Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me ramble. <laughs> Thank you for letting me go over. I always, uh, I am happy to let people quote ramble as long as they're saying something that is inspiring and insightful. And you absolutely have done that. So thank you so much to all of the listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it more than you will ever know. You have been listening to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Edwards. And you guys remember, if you dream it, it's possible. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you'll join me next time. The Aggressive Optimism Podcast is made possible through affiliate programs. So if you'd like to support the podcast and get some really great products for yourself, head on over to the offerings page at aggressiveoptimism.com. And if you want a little more aggressive optimism in your life, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Jenna Edwards Life. I'll see you over there. Until then, have a good one.